You are an experiencer in your flesh. You, this is a fleshy playground. It's not a prison. <laughs> fleshy playground is something I'm going to have to sit with for a little while. I love a good fleshy playground. <laughs> to all you fellow experiencers out there and welcome to the Spirited Body Podcast. This is the podcast about activating and living from your spirit in your daily actions and experiences. My guides want to show you how to interpret your life through the lens of your highest self so it can be easier, joyful, and more satisfying. After all, we all are just spirits in a physical body. I'm James. I'm the host, uh, psychic, medium, channeler um and i'm here with my amazing co-host and friend katie hello how are you i'm all right how are you (laughs) good it's been it's been one heck of a week and before we go too far i just want to make sure i remind everyone on the front end that um we want you to like subscribe follow share Get in contact with us. Um, We are dying to know your stories. We want to know what's going on. We want to know questions that you have, uh, any questions you have for my guides, um, any clarifications that you need. Uh, Get in touch with me. I'm at The Spirited Body on Instagram and uh, send me an email, uh, james at thespiritedbody.com. And I also want to mention too that every channel that I do um, is written in its full text and available on thespiritedbody.com. So you can go to the episode um, and you can get the full, you can just read the text of the channel, which is a different way to digest the information. Mm. So please let us know. I I really am curious to hear what people have to say and questions they have. Um, So really crazy week for me. Yeah, what happened? Just um, energetically, uh, a lot of shift shifting in the energy and how I perceive the energy. I did a lot of energy work over the past week, some of it unexpected. (laughs) Um, But uh, it was really sort of a powerful sort of opening acknowledgement, receiving of a greater sense uh, of uh, my energetic work here Mm. and sort of opening the doorway more to, um, this is going to sound really weird. I'm ready. But acceptance of information that I'm getting from other. That's always been your thing though. Yes. Yeah. Just the trusting that you're getting yeah. what you're getting and it's, you I always mean, get it. That's the funny thing. And it's funny too, because you know, I grew up with it and I didn't realize what it was until older. And so, wait a minute, you're telling me that your conservative Republican <laughs> Catholic upbringing didn't support this gift. Well, it was more, I lived very internally because I think I just, that was my survival technique. And so um, the thoughts that I had, I didn't recognize until I was doing this work Mm. that conversations that I was having in my head weren't actually between me and me. (laughs) They were between (laughs) me and my guides. And in, 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 in a way, I look at it and go, okay, between me and my higher self. So me, it really was me and me, but it wasn't me <laughs> in this physical form and me in this physical form. It was me and my guides or me and other. And um, so when you, I think for me, I had that voice my whole life. And so I don't identify it automatically as other. Mm. I just think of it as I'm having a conversation with myself and then. Do I really know that? Is that just me saying I see. that? So there's a lot of questioning. Yeah. It's not like I've heard nothing. And then all of a sudden I understand this like bizarre, strange voice that's in my head now in a completely different way. And I can identify it and point to it and go, that's different. I'm so used to having the, this is going to sound terrible, but <laughs> I'm so used to having the voices in my head <laughs> that I don't identify them necessarily. It's hard for harder for me to identify them as something different. 
And I think that's where my lack of trust comes from. So do you feel like a collective energetic evolvement of the human species in this direction? I feel that. And I, I do see people who are like not available for it. Yes. But I feel more and more people than I've ever felt like really just kind of available for it. It's like. one. I think, yeah, I think we are shifting into a new uh, consciousness that uh, the physical is less valuable yeah. and the physical is less trustworthy. And what I mean by that is not flesh and blood and, and tangible objects are less trustworthy. Our perception of the physical of um, our understanding of physics and all of those things are less trustworthy. They haven't delivered on their promise of saving the human race of humanity. And that may be that we have all the potential in the world to use our physical attributes on this planet to satisfy everybody here. And we're choosing not to because of all the other bullshit that gets in the way of it, but it still leads to the same point. It's not as satisfying. It's not producing the safety that we yearn for as humans. And people are turning elsewhere to try to find that safety. I feel like I've done like 35 shameless plugs on the book, uh, The Seed of the Soul. <laughs> it's taking me like eight months to read it because I read like a chapter every other week or even like a half a chapter. But that's just the whole premise of that book is that we are not to think that our evolution has stopped as human beings with five senses. Like that he talks about that five sensory experience is why it is just not, that's just not, that's insane for us to think that our evolution has stopped. And the funny thing, my, what I always remind myself about this book, this book was written in the eighties. <laughs> but I, 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 there is so they've done so much research and the stuff they're learning about quantum physics and the stuff they're just, um, the availability for consciousness and then being able to run experiments on, uh, how your consciousness changes the environment. Yeah. The, I actually just read a chapter in this book the other day and the whole chapter was on illusion and how like our perception of people and situations and this and that is literally just an illusion. Absolutely. And so it just, it's so fascinating because I think I actually find, uh, I think this is why I always come back to this work. It's like my one friend makes fun of me. She's like, can you read a fun book? <laughs> like you got to read these books that takes you like a year to read because it's so intense. To, like I'm like, no, because it brings me a tremendous amount of liberation internally in my mind to go. I have no control and it's all in my control all at the same time. That's liberating to understand that and to think that and to know that it, it, it's it's liberating to, to surrender to the control that we don't have, but then to also know we have complete control of our perception. It, it's just fascinating. And I think that we as a, as a culture are reaching for and understanding the power of that, that idea that it is so much of it as a perception. And so when my guides, this is why I think they talk about this all the time is that it's not, you don't have to take your belief, your idea of how your life is going that you hold on to, like my, my existence is dependent on these rules or this understanding that I will be safe if I um, work 40 hours a week in this job that I hate. Like if you, you don't have to say no, and now I'm, I need to quit my job and that's totally false. They don't want you to do that. You don't need to do that. They just say, we want you to acknowledge or recognize that there's a different possibility. So instead of saying, I must work 40 hours a week to feel safe, you can say, I might not need to work 40 hours to be safe. Because just that small change loosens the grip that you have on it. And it loosens the grip on that belief. So now there's possibility. And the possibility is what is thing that changes your perception. It's like that where your attention goes, the energy flows. So the belief is foundational because if there's more possibilities, there's more opportunity for energy to flow in those areas. 
Absolutely. And you don't, you loosen your grip. And if, if now you've said there's only one possibility and now you've just doubled it to say, let's say there's two possibilities, your, your desire to fight your need to fight for the rightness of that one possibility is cut in half. Does that make sense? Like yeah. that, that desire to defend just is cut in half. It's just, and then last week I, after the episode we did last week, all week I've kind of been like allowing the human experience more because last week we talked about how the goal is not to get so spiritual that you're not going to get out of the human experience. So you're not going to be like, listening to this podcast and meditating all day and then just like float on a cloud through life. That's not going to happen. Nope. Nor is it supposed to be that way. And so, but I do think the intention that maybe this podcast and this work that we're doing together or that you're letting me be a part of essentially is that the guides can help ease some of those experiences, not take them away, but ease them. And so even last week for me, I was like, oh, there's that human thing coming in. Wow. And you know what it was? Is I had one degree of separation from it. It still existed, but that one degree of separation allowed me to have a different perception, still have the human experience, but perceive it in a little bit of yeah. a different way. Yeah. And it was so amazing. And, and I didn't avoid it. I didn't avoid the pain. I didn't avoid the fear. I didn't avoid the anxiety, but I got one degree away from it. And you were able to put it in its place. And I didn't try to change it. Right. Yeah. And- and so like they just said, like um, people often look at this as a fleshy prison. People that are seeking spiritual awakening look at our human experience as a fleshy prison. They're like, no, you're not a prisoner in your flesh. You are an inhabitant in your flesh. You are an experiencer in your flesh. You, This is a fleshy playground. It's not – a prison. <laughs> fleshy playground is something I'm going to have to sit with for a little while. I love a good fleshy playground. <laughs> but th that's a, oh. but that perception, I mean, it, it, we're not meant to float. We're not meant to live in spiritual bliss all the time. And, and understand that we are here, but that doesn't mean we can't have fun. That doesn't mean it can't be easy. It doesn't mean that we can't reduce our stress, our feelings of belonging, improve our joy. We can that have the, all those that things. That was the other thing that happened for me. Like there was a couple stressful days last week for me. And I remember coming home from work and going, well, I guess I'm just doomed to the rest of the day kind of sucking too. And then I was like, who said you can't have ease and joy and have a different experience in the same day. That little inner critic wanted to be like, oh. We're screwed now. Yeah, it wanted to like really. And I was like, no, I'm gonna, like, so one of the days what I did was I came home and since my partner and I run the business together, sometimes I have to do this thing where I, I make eye contact with him and I say, okay, we're in a different physical location now. That was a shitty, that was a rough one mm -hmm. today where we just were at work. And I want to set an intention for surrendering, not to be in denial about all the challenges we have to face, but to table it and to understand that different types of experiences can happen in the rest of this day. So I'd like to have you join me in that energetic shift. And it does work, but it does take pausing. Of course. And it does take mindfulness, but it doesn't take much time. It's like a two minute thing. Yeah. If that, and that's about presence, that's about being present. Yeah. That's the topic we did last week. Yeah. That was a big one for me. That really shifted me. And like one of the, my five-year-old has been waking us up every single night since she started kindergarten six weeks ago, mm. every single night. And we're not talking like soft, gentle wakes. <laughs> we're talking like, let me have a meltdown in the middle of the night. It's like the only time in my life where I get triggered so bad. Cause I'm just like, you know, it's just, and that's why sleep deprivation is an actual form of torture. But anyway, I remember one of the mornings, I mean, you they mean, do use it for that. I know. You mean parenthood? Yeah. <laughs> oh, so one of the mornings I just said, this kid, this doesn't have to define the rest of your day. Cause I woke up real grumpy and I looked at my husband. And I said, I'm going to need 20 minutes. Can you give me 20? He said, sure. I went, I did a meditation. 
I read out of a, a book. I set an intention that I have an opportunity to step out of that human experience and set a different energy for the rest of the day if I choose to. Came back inside and he went, what'd you, what'd you do out there? <laughs> like he, I didn't even have to say anything. He just saw my whole presence shift. So yeah, being a human in this experience is wild. And we also have choice in it. Uh, that's all you have. That's all they say. The only power you have is choice. You have no power outside of choice. None. Zero. Let that sink in. <laughs> I'm on a try. <laughs> okay. okay, what are we doing today? Today the topic is knowledge. Which is a very human-y thing to me. Yes. It okay. reminds me of like a classroom, like a very five sensory experience type of thing. Okay. Amazing. So okay, I, I, I was very, this to me felt like the, I mean, maybe I'm totally wrong here, but it did feel like when you texted me that I was like, huh, doesn't it, it's not, that doesn't resonate the same as when you're like presence and, <laughs> and love and connection. It's like knowledge. And I'm like, oh, the professor's coming. But so I'm really curious what they had to say about this one. Yeah. And I'm going to put this in the context of. Um, this is all about topics to reduce conflict. Like every topic we've ever done. Well, just this second season is really about okay. decreasing conflict. Okay. And avoiding, uh, not avoiding, but eliminating conflict, reducing conflict. Okay. And so uh, I just, this was, a, this was a good one. I don't think anyone can relate to the feeling of conflict in their life. Uh, yeah. It's a foreign concept. Yeah. So this might in be this a difficult one. Physical experience. <laughs> Since we're all holding hands across the country, across the planet, it's all across the political lines. Yes, we're just mm. um. Okay, so let's just get into it. I'm ready. I want to. I do want to share. It's very crazy to be here with you, in the sense. <laughs> don't look at me that way. In the sense that, like, every time we start, because you and I talk for like, I don't know. 20 to 80 minutes before we start the podcast <laughs> and just about catching up from the week or whatever. And then when we start and you drop in, I get physically uncomfortable every time in my body and my neck and my back. It almost feels like a big cloud comes over me and I feel fuzzy. It's such a crazy physical experience to be here. And I don't know why. And I used to fight it and be like, oh, you shouldn't be at this podcast. And like, the, and, I, and now I just go, some, for some reason you're getting put in this physical state when you start these, cause it doesn't happen before we start. It's only when I sink into the chair that I'm kind of like, I'm almost like, Ooh, I feel like kind of out of it. Yeah. It's them. And, um, the other thing to, to recognize is how much energetically you've shifted since we started doing this. Really? It, 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 you don't feel it. I don't know. I'm in a cloud right now. <laughs> Just um, like, I feel mildly drugged. Yeah. When you're, I'm you're you are becoming more uh, at ease with the the high level of energy that they're bringing into the room. You are becoming more energetically aligned to the information that we have to give. You are letting go of your energetic resistance to, to feeling physically controlled and predictable. Every time you are in our presence, your physical form is being asked to release its expectations as well as your cognitive processes and your emotional states. We have a boundless energy that is not contained. I don't have any words. <laughs> Whenever they come in and channel and take over your whole body in front of my physical vision. <laughs> my head felt severed from its body right there. It was wild. Yeah. They say to me, um, and, and part of what being present is about, they said this to me a number of years ago, and it's something I really hold on to because it's been very meaningful in my life that, you know, humans typically have, an idea of what hope is. Mm -hmm. And we think that hope is the act of wishing really hard that something we want to have happen will happen. And they say, that's not what hope is. Hope is 
understanding is knowing as we're going to talk about knowledge is knowing that in every moment there's infinite possibilities. Sometimes, sometimes you, um, we say you, you, not we, I just am here. You say things that I'm like, why do we have to go on with the episode? Like we're just going to end there because it's like, that's a big one. And I, James, I, I think you need to repeat that one. Okay. That, that is like, like when you first said we as humans think that hope is wishing for something so much that we get what we want. That is like the definite, I, I don't know if I'll be like ridiculed and shamed and unplugged from the air, but for this one, but that's like the epitome of like the American dream. Yeah. And so we have in this country anyway, in this culture been raised to believe that. Yeah. And when you look at neural pathways and beliefs and, and the human condition, that is very powerful to unwind. And think of our ideas, the, the most common ideas of manifestation in our society. You think on that one thing that you want and you will get it. The, the, the luxury car will show up in front of your home. Yes. Yeah. Your bank account will increase 15 fold and just you wait, you do this three techniques and you're going to see your bank account increase. I've seen all the videos. I get it. And that's fine. I like, I'm not going to take that experience away from people. If that is working for people, congratulations. The larger perspective is if you want to find ease in your life, understand, know that in every moment there's infinite possibilities. That's the true definition of hope. It's not being narrowed down to one thing. And again, it's that loosening of your grip. If you hold one ideal in your mind, that brings, you have to argue, you have to fight, you have to hold on. If you can understand, I mean, infinite possibilities is probably beyond our, our poor human <laughs> brain capacity, the idea of infinite. But if, even if you want to think there's 50 possibilities in any moment. We often think there's one or two. One or two. Oh, does that make such sense? such a sad species I know sometimes. we are. But I mean, that, that understanding, I was like, oh, I don't have to hold on to that much. I don't have to hold on to the one candle blowing in the storm <laughs> that, that what I want to have happen is going to push. Through. Like, I don't, I just need to be aware that infinite, I, there's infinite possibilities and, and it could be. And so that means on, there's infinite possibilities that it could be better than I want. And there's infinite possibilities that it could be the same as what I want. And it's infinite possibilities that could be worse than what I want. And when I say that, I, I use the word liberation a lot because it's extremely exhausting to hold all of those things together. Like it's harder it takes, it requires more energy to say, I need this to happen in this way or that way, or I wish for this to happen and the only way for it to happen is this way or that way, than it is to surrender to the idea that there's infinite possibilities. And if you, if you click into, and the reason I, that I brought this up was because you talked about being present. Presence means that there's infinite possibilities. The second you say, this is the possibility you're living, reacting, choosing from that possibility from the future, only one. And so you talk crazy. about, you talk about narrowing it down. Let's go from infinity, infinity to one. I don't <laughs> Do you see it all? Like what's crazy to me is when it all like fits when it all like pops into place and I, and the stuff that they've been telling me and talking to me about like overlaps and I go, Oh, it, it fits perfectly with what you said a year ago about blank. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's just, it's bizarre. Lately. I've even been kind of, uh, I don't know, almost excited. Like what's, what are you going to get me next? Yeah. Like kind of anticipation, like the universe is going to show up for me. Okay. So I believe that what's it going to be, you know? And it's, it's interesting. It's like a, what's behind door number two? Yes. Or door number. Infinity. In door infinity. Okay. <laughs> here we go. Ready? All right. Yes. Knowledge. Council of light with open arms and elated voices. We welcome you all back to our presence. We are here for your knowledge attainment and to help you better understand the world in which you live. 
more precisely, to provide an understanding to your inner world, for that is the only existence that matters. Your perceptions of the world around you are uniquely yours. Therefore, you are living in your world only, and the better understanding you have of you, your being, and who you are as a whole, the better your understanding and alignment of yourself in your world is. This is the way it is. We implore you to first seek understanding of yourself. This is the only basis for which you can encounter the world that you see around you and the people that you see around you. For to know and understand how you operate, what you hold, who you are, is the only path to seeing and understanding those around you for who they truly present themselves to be. It is the only way that you can see others for who they truly are. It starts and ends with yourself. We understand how this advice can be intimidating or lead to questioning of this fact, but think of how many times you have grown upset or emotional over a conversation that you have had or an encounter that you have had, but when re-examined with the other person, you understood their behavior in a different light. This new understanding brought light and ease to your emotions, but the facts of the behavior did not change. Your understanding did. Your internal perception was the only thing that was modified. This is what we were talking about in the beginning. You get it though? I mean, basic. Like they're saying all that matters is you and how you understand yourself. And they basically just gave us an example of like, oh, how many times have you had an argument with somebody? And when they, they explained their side, you saw their behavior in a completely different light. And it wasn't that their behavior changed. It was just your understanding of it that brought you more peace. I mean. Does it happen daily? <laughs> I was going to say, I was trying to actually count how many times a day. <laughs> this is the understanding that we wish for you to hold in your heart as we speak to you of knowledge. As this speaker has relayed to you, these are lessons that he has requested to lessen conflict on your planet and in your life. We wish to further this by saying these lessons are meant to lessen conflict within yourself. Or if you have less conflict within, you will have less conflict outside of yourself. I think we all wait for the outside conflict to go down to feel the peace. Because as long as everyone agrees with what I have to say and what my idea is, <laughs> there'll be no conflict. So why need it's to- the, It's the opposite. Right. Because think about it, you are trying to force your idea on every in the world around you so that everyone aligns with you. I've never done that, James. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> I, I can't. I just, sometimes they say stuff that I'm like, oh, boy. It, it, can I just share one thing really quick? It is a bizarre experience. I guess now that you say like, oh, you haven't you seen some of the growth that you've had? I'm like, actually, I, I guess when I look back, I was the most controlling person on the planet. And now I have I'm no like, experience of that whatsoever. And I'm like, oh, that was out of fear. Oh, that was out of this. Oh, that was here. And I think that like, even if you don't acknowledge that you're a controlling person, some part of your subconscious identifies with that and doesn't think you can ever not be that. But when you do just have that little sliver of open-mindedness and you do adopt new beliefs, you can break free from that identity. I would say if someone surveyed the closest people in my life two years ago, and they were really honest, they'd be like, yeah, Katie's going to be a control freak for the rest of her life. That's who she is. And I feel like if you surveyed those people today, they might say a little different. Like they, I just, I mean, I'm still a neat freak and I still have very controlling elements on me, but I have let go a lot. Yeah. And it's not the huge things that made you let go. No. It's the That's small... why I could barely even recognize it when you said that. Yeah. Because it's like now that I'm sitting in this moment thinking about it, I'm like, oh yeah, I don't control. I don't control. I don't control. It's the tiny, teeny things over time. Yeah. And I do have to say too though, if you listen to where you how you respond and how you talk, even in the beginning, like for season one of the podcast versus how you do it now, it's different. Oh, I don't listen to them. I gotta go back I know, and listen. But, but just as a as an aside, but it but it's the small, it's the not I have one choice only and now I've got infinite choices. It's I have one choice, but is there a possibility of a second? 
And if you can't entertain the possibility of a second, you've just completely cracked open. But I'll tell you this. Things, here's the irony in all this when you look back on the last 24 months of my life. The exterior of my life, what people see, what's actually going on in the five dimensional human being experience. Three. Or I mean, five five sensory, sorry. (laughs) Um, Has gotten much harder. Much harder. Two years ago, my life was actually easier from the outside. Yeah. But inside, I feel more peace and more serenity. So it's completely not determined by outside circumstance. Bingo. When we speak of knowledge, we use the word to convey the deepest of acknowledgement, acceptance, and knowing. This is not the memorization of a fact, but the connection to the energetic existence of an idea or thought and the resonance of it within your being. It is the knowing so completely that it carries with it the reverberation of your energy as well and is inarguable. Knowledge is inarguable. Knowing bleeds into the very fabric of your being. Knowledge is part of you. Knowledge does not produce the urge to fight when it is challenged. Knowledge does not need arguments or high emotional expression. Knowledge is communion. So it's just their definition. What they, what they're helping you understand is that level. When they speak of knowledge, that's what they're talking about. Okay. Like the energetic frequency of what knowledge would feel like. Yes. Okay. And it exists, how it exists in you that it's not like, Ooh, that's a fact squirming about, but it's actually part of your very fabric. Mm. Okay. So it's not the poster on the classroom wall that's like, knowledge is power. Yes. I mean, it is, but but it's, they're talking about a different energetic expression of it. Yes. This is what is meant when we use the word knowledge or knowing. This is in contrast to ideas, thoughts, assumptions that you feel or which have been handed down to you. We will use the word theories to describe these ideas as they are not rooted in your energetic foundation. And I'm going to take a pause for a second. When I was doing this channel, they're very specific about words. Okay. And so a lot of times when I do readings for people or um, when I'm trying to channel, they will, I will pause, they will pause, or it's me pausing, trying to find the right word to convey what they're trying to convey. Okay. And um, I didn't have a word. I couldn't come up with a word with what they were trying to convey. So I actually went to thesaurus.com <laughs> and I was like, uh, ideas I put in words and I was reading and they went that one, which, which one theory. I see. So that's a word that we found together <laughs> to, to thank you. Thesaurus.com. Yes. I mean, it was, I was like, Oh, and then that's, that's something that's never happened to me before. Weird. Um, we will use the word theories to describe these ideas as they are not rooted in your energetic foundation. They have not or cannot become knowledge as they are not universal truth. They do not speak to the most true and highest version of yourself. They do not and may not ever resonate with the most energetic side of you. These are ideas that may seem correct as they provide the appearance of peace and knowing to someone else, but they may not ever be able to provide the same level of peace or satisfaction to you. Theories may become knowledge, but they require examination and exposure to understand them and align to them. Theories create contrast and separation when challenged. Theories breed argument. They are accompanied by high emotional expression. They create definition, separation, and divide. They need argument. We mentioned this difference for we wish for you to understand that outward argument that you feel when living with these theories as knowledge is merely a reflection of the argument that is happening internally as these thoughts and beliefs that you are living from have not moved to the point of energetic integration. Can you say that one more time? It's a long sentence. We mentioned this difference for we wished you to understand 
that outward argument that you feel when living with these theories as knowledge is merely a reflection of the argument that is happening internally as these thoughts and beliefs that you are living from have not moved to the point of energetic integration. (laughs) So what they're saying is we have, there's a difference between knowledge and theories. Okay. And a lot of us live from theories and you know that you are functioning, reacting from a theory if you are arguing it. Okay. That makes sense. I live a lot of theories. Okay. (laughs) We all do. And, um, like just knowing something is different yes, because it doesn't need an argument. Right. It just is. It just is. And there's, and it's so integrated into who you are that it doesn't need an argument. So let me ask this. Okay. Is the knowledge that you have that doesn't require argument and some of the knowledge that I have that doesn't require argument, are those rooted in universal truth? Many times it is, but sometimes those are individual to us. Okay, that's important too. Yes. And what speaks to your energetic makeup? Today. <laughs> so they can be different. I don't know why, but today. So I have a, a yawning counting going on. Because <laughs> I told you that I yawn a lot during yes. this. And I had an energy healer tell me once like, oh, you're going to cry throughout our whole session. And I didn't. But I yawned over 40 times or something. And she's like, that's just the same expression. It's just in a different way. So I move a lot of energy when I'm in here. But today I just want to laugh. And I can't tell you why. I'm not laughing at you. Just if you hear me giggling. I love. It's just energy in my body. Just I I, love the laughter. I'm just giggling. It's wild. So so that makes sense to you, right? And so so what they're saying is, um, if you feel that need to argue, it's a theory. And you, that argument that you have with someone externally is merely a reflection of the argument that's happening internally because you haven't fully come to terms with this theory that you're arguing from compared to your highest self or your most inner truth. They're not saying that they may not eventually align, but you're like kind of trying to sort it out. You haven't sorted it out. Therefore you you're, you're trying to sort it out externally when you really need to be in sorting it out internally. (laughs) wild okay we also mentioned this for we desire to give you the tools to know the difference between knowing and theory and to provide the starting point to greater understanding of what is moving inside of you yes give us the tools that's what we want high emotional response is an indication of a theory you are functioning from not knowledge this unexamined theory may be influencing your internal life. Therefore, your external life, and when truly seen for what it is, may not be applicable to your current understanding and life experience. But in its unexamined state, it will lead to separation, argument, and frustration. I'm going to read it again because I can see there's a a curtain over your eyes. (laughs) High emotional response is an indication of a theory you are functioning from, not knowledge. This unexamined theory may be influencing your internal life. Therefore, your external life, when truly seen for what it is, may not be applicable to your current understanding and life experience. So, sorry, I was yawning. Um, So, (laughs) it's a clue. When you start... I'm heightened and ironically, it's also the hardest time when you're in that space to pause. Yes. Uh, Probably by design, I don't know, but that's your clue. That's your clue. Oh. Isn't that, it's so like helpful. All of this work has nothing to do with anyone else but yourself. And if someone, if you are in an argument with someone, you are reacting from a theory it's an idea. It may be true. It may be not. But it's not knowledge. It's not knowledge. And you haven't examined it. You haven't moved it through. You haven't identified it and said, is this knowledge? Is this an energetic part of me? Does this integrate with who I am or does it not? And if you can question yourself through that, why am I reacting this way? What is bothering me about this? Why am I so riled up? And if you can follow that all the way down, then you get to determine 
is this knowledge or is it not? And they will tell you if you're acting that way, it ain't knowledge. Crazy. Okay. When theories are examined and held conscious, it provides them an opportunity to stand in reflection of your highest self. Are they worth holding on to? Is that theory true when seen and felt in this light? Is there another possibility and option? There's infinite. Infinite. And yeah. And if it's not infinite, it's a theory. <laughs> theories as we describe them not only happen internally in the form of attachments which we have described and will describe in more detail in the future but they are provided to us externally as well another's idea of truth religion social norms and behaviors peer expectations advice books images that present an ideal these all provide theories to you but they are not truth. They are not knowledge until they are examined. Theories hold an important role in the physical world as they provide a sense of belonging and community on your planet. You can gather and commune over common ideals, interests, and goals. We do not mean to assert that theories are universally bad or meeting and communing over these theories is wrong, for it can be a profound connection. We simply mean to help you understand the difference in your experience. Does that make sense to you? Mm-hmm. I think what they mean here, they're speaking a lot about religion. Oh, no. I. That's where I... I, I'm, I got a little bit tripped up on that because I did a full therapy session with my therapist yesterday about the complexities of being a child and having a parent tell you, this is the way of the world this is the meaning of life and this is the religion, the religious um, theories that are true that make sense in this world. Rather than this is a belief I have about this religion, but there are infinite possibilities for what other resonate as could resonate as true. We hope you decide for yourself and and think of all the theories that were handed. Oh, no. The, the, and I think that this is why the religion one is so important, though. It's because it's introduced to children as a form of knowledge, not as a form of theory, not as, and not in a way of theory. And so then it becomes what you think is knowledge and truth. And then it creates divide. And understand, too. But it's, James, it's so powerful. Like, I don't know how, like, sometimes I'll um, get these downloads where I'll ask my partner, like, oh, were you allowed to do this as a kid? And he'll be like, what are you talking about? Of course. And then he'll, like, get a layer deeper and deeper and deeper. And, like, Katie, you were living in religious jail. So last night I asked him, were you allowed to play with, you remember when you were kids and that Ouija board was so popular? Mm -hmm. I wasn't allowed to play that game. My parents would not. I'll have allowed, if they knew I was doing it, they would not have allowed me to do it. You were like, I was on that board. But I, I did. Isn't that I, crazy though? Yeah. But I think the religious one is so important because the foundation of most of the religious beliefs that we have were instilled in us for men, not all of us, but many of us as children. And they were communicated as truth. They were not communicated from a place of this is my theory and I hope you decide what feels right for you. Yes. And understanding that religious beliefs, and so they, they, they point out that like they're not saying that religion is bad. I'm not either. Right. Yeah. But what they're saying is when you put your belief in, um, in someone, the ideas of an institution, the beliefs of an institution – and not your knowledge in the connection to something greater than you. Does that make sense? The difference is they are putting their- It's the difference between spirituality and religion. religion. Right. And that that's where conflict will arise because you are then, the theory is that this set of ideas is correct instead of my 
connection and experience with this connection is correct. Yeah. And I do, I think why I share this about the childhood stuff is because that's when that stuff is mostly introduced and, and adopted as truth. And I think I share it because I express a deep amount of empathy and sympathy for myself and that younger version of myself, but also to those who maybe are listening to this. A year ago, I had an energy healer work with me and she tapped into me real quick. And she said to me, Ooh, I can sense that there's some religious stuff we have to unpack with you. And you know what I told her? I'm not available to talk about that today. And she said, okay, I'm fine to move on, but may I ask why? And I said, well, God's here and he's watching me and I'm not going to get in trouble today. We'll save that for next week. Well, but, <laughs> but my point is I couldn't, I can Even say it. There. I can say it today Yeah, in a very public, but a year ago, in a one-on-one -on -one environment, I couldn't even acknowledge that there could be another possibility than what I was told. Because if I acknowledged that, God would punish me. And so I'm just saying, like, I just want to extend empathy for those listening who were told really particular theories of religion when they were young, because it sits in your body in a different way than when you hear those things as a fully formed adult. Yes. And I just want to extend empathy for even myself in that. And, and so I also want to talk about, um, cause religion is a big one, right? Like that it's such a, it's, it's a, it's such a part in our culture, especially in America. It's such a part of our culture that we grow up with that it really determines many people's idea of quote, right and wrong. And therefore the laws. Well, also it really defines people's theory and knowledge. Yes. Completely right, or their under their understanding of theory and knowledge, and um, but I also want to do a mic. Uh, uh, I want to pull out a little bit, okay, and uh, talk about because they're they want me to also acknowledge that it's all of your unexamined beliefs that society has been giving you since birth, not just the outright knowledge of um, religion, and this is how you practice the religion, and this is how you do right and wrong, but everything that we learn from what clothes you wear, depending on your gender, what colors you like, depending on your gender, what you need to do to be a successful person. Like religion's just one slice of the pie. One slice of the pie. But we are thrown into an environment that is giving us all of those theories that we accept as true. And they're so embedded in us that we don't even really understand the theories that we argue about why or who is allowed to wear pants and who is not allowed to wear pants. It's anyway, I just. And yeah. that we need to understand if you were arguing that point, why, what is it about that thought that, that you need to argue who gets to wear makeup, who doesn't. And I mean, obviously gender issues are close to me, but I, I just think that that's uh, uh, that greater understanding or social media. When we are getting information about people's pictures, is that knowledge? Most of it's theory. I mean, every, it, it, Most when, of I, it. when I say, <laughs> not say all of it on social media, but just in general in life. And I think that that's a really important point to say that religion is just one slice of the pie. And I also think what is a, it's a good opportunity. So this is, this is going back to what we said before. So you grew up in a very religious environment. I grew up in a very religious environment. Um, you grew up in a gender stereotype environment. I also grew up in a gender stereotype environment, so on and so on. The list goes on and on and on. Yeah. For some reason, maybe it's your past lives. Maybe it's the lessons you have to learn. You attached more. You kind of were like, I'm going to the Ouija board. Fuck that other thing. <laughs> and you, and you, <laughs> and you attached more to like things around gender and, and, um, you know, all the different things that you felt more attached to. I attached more to this religious stuff. And so for whatever reason, right. I was the person who was at the party who was like, I'm going to be in huge trouble. If I touch that Ouija board, I'm going to the bathroom. So it's fascinating to me that like people will be brought up in similar environments even. And then maybe it's like their soul's purpose to attach to one thing more than the other that they have to work out in this lifetime. I don't really know the reason, 
But I just want to extend, again, my sympathy for those who have been indoctrinated into the religious part, and honestly, to any of the parts, because it's very hard to unravel those beliefs as children because those beliefs held so much power Mm -hmm. because you're so like, you're just such, you're a forming mind as a human being versus if someone came to you and said some of those things as an adult, you would just be like, okay, thanks for your opinion. (laughs) But when you're a child, you're like, thank you for showing me the way of the world. That's how I stay safe. And that's why childhood has always been so fascinating to me. Yeah. Probably why I majored in child development because I was like, let me figure this shit out. Yeah, it's um, it, it's it's just fascinating, and I think that the the real invitation is how many things that we take for granted are theor- theories in our body are merely theories that we're living from, and not knowledge. I talk about this sometimes too, like even in work culture. Who said we work nine to five? Exactly right. That's a social norm. Who said there's seven days in a week? Who said we sleep and when the sun goes, like (laughs) the list can go on to infinity, Yeah, but it is, even if we don't necessarily like stand up to some of these things, it is still fascinating to be able to have like a little constant questioning in your mind around them. Yeah. The questioning creates the infinite possibility. Yes. And, and acknowledging that if you like, there's people that I talk to friends, close friends of mine, when we talk about clothing, and they get riled up about clothing, what girls should wear, what they shouldn't wear, how they should present themselves, how they shouldn't present themselves, what boys are looking at, what they might be looking at. And and I'm I'm just constantly questioning their understanding of that. But if you have, if your emotional meter goes up about any topic, <laughs> their point is that's an indication that you haven't really worked through that. Mm. Is that knowledge? Or is that a theory that you're working from? And they're not saying you may not believe that. They're not saying it may not become knowledge in your body, but it's unexamined. There's some processing to do or some work to do. Yeah. Okay. Good topic today, James. As a means to reduce conflict internal and external, let us assist you in this way. When you have a high emotional expression, an emotional expression that does not bring peace, satisfaction, and ease, that is an indication that you are reacting from a theory and not knowledge. Examine your beliefs around the issue that is causing strife and argument. When you are able to do this work, understand that recognizing your belief as a theory is not disproving it or claiming your idea as factually wrong, but only identifying it as a theory that has other possibilities. This will decrease the intensity of your emotion. It will allow you to exhale. Let us further assist you in this way. We invite you to understand conflict as an argument between theories. A theory in you is fighting for dominance over a theory in another. Either may not be knowledge, but we encourage the questioning of what is the motivation behind the argument. Humans can reduce conflict with carefully constructed means of communicating in respectful and helpful ways, but erasure of a conflict is done through a revelation of knowledge, admitting to and understanding the knowledge within you. What is the knowledge that you carry? Can you identify with and speak from your place of knowledge? You often refer to this process as being vulnerable but this place of knowledge is your greatest strength. There is safety, surety, and peace. We invite you to examine how often you connect, communicate, and understand knowledge in yourself and with others. So what I'm getting from that is a tool, which is when you're in conflict with other and you feel that emotional reactivity or that sense to argue your theory, even though you might misconceive that as knowledge, that is your clue to pause and come back to self and not really participate in that dynamic with other. Right. But to start that dialogue and participation with self. And Yes. And so they're really, what they're saying is, if you find yourself in an argument with somebody, and again, let me reiterate that you don't have to do this in the moment. It's not required that you do in the moment. It would be helpful if you did in the moment, but you can review this later. 
and understand its truth later when you review it. But what they're saying is if you're in an argument with somebody, like a real argument, that really a theory in you is arguing with a theory in the other person. That none of them are not, neither of those situations is knowledge. And they're saying, can you step back enough to go back to what you know inside of you? So they're, they're kind of calling out this. Um, so uh, again, I'm going to, I'm going to just mention this quickly. Cause even though it's not in the text, you have to understand when they give me information, it's not, it's like if you're describing a movie to somebody, you're not going to describe everything in the movie. You, you get the main points. And so that's what I do. They give me a movie and I'm giving you the highlights basically. Okay. So when they give me information that comes with a bunch more. And so this scenario they're talking about is when we're arguing with somebody, um, it's a theory in me arguing with a theory in the other person. And we have constructed as, as humans, lovely language and conflict resolution techniques that are about how can I convey my theory to you and express my theory to you um, in the most uh, neutral way possible so that we can build a bridge in our communication that allows you to have your theory and allows me to have my theory. And we can agree to disagree. So they're not saying what I said, which is exit that room. They're saying, figure out a recognize this inside of yourself and act from the place of this is a theory, not this is my knowledge. If and, you can do that, yes. Okay. But what they're basically calling out is our society's development of communication tools. Okay. That make us sound um, even, make us sound like we aren't arguing, but we're really we are. And what they're doing is calling that out because they're saying there's no energetic resolution in that situation. Mm. There's polite talk to polite talk and you agree to go your separate ways, which really isn't communion. What they're saying is if you, um, um, humans can reduce conflict with carefully constructed means of communicating in respectful and helpful ways. So those are all those like, uh, uh, nonviolent communication techniques and I'm listen. I'm here for you. I hear what you're saying and all the body language teaching all, which all is, I'm not saying it's not valuable. <laughs> um, they're not saying it's not valuable, but they're saying um, that, but that doesn't erase conflict. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Like you it's still just have a that, way to manage it. Yes. Okay. And they say, but erasure of a conflict is done through revelation of knowledge in self. Yes. So that if you, if we are in an argument and a theory in you is arguing with a theory in me, the only way to erase that conflict, to eliminate it, to make it disappear, to make it a non thing anymore, no conflict, no struggle between us is identifying what is knowledge, what you have knowledge of and going from there. Even if it's not around this topic, but it's knowledge of, you know what, what I know is I love you. What I know is this argument doesn't mean that is not important to me. What I know is that I don't, I don't want this to come between us. And if you can come from that place of knowledge, conflict will disappear. But if you're trying to argue your theory, you will never eradicate conflict. Drop your mic on the floor, James. It's, it's crazy, but it's so true. And how many times when we're in an argument, we just don't, we can't get to that space. No, that's the, this is the, <laughs> this is the challenge is when you're trick. This is all fine and dandy when I sit in the room with you and your yes. spirit guides are putting me in a cloud. Yes. <laughs> but this is very different in terms of practical application, but it's not impossible. It's not impossible. And I think that's why they're saying, just notice. Just do this. If your energy goes up, if your emotional response goes up, you are in a theory mode. And can you just take that knowledge of going, oh, I'm in theory mode. What am I having a theory about? Or you can say, I can't really continue this conversation right now. I need some time to process. And then I want to come back and have this conversation with you. When you have the time to examine and go. I'll also say it never hurts to just take a break. Of, yes. Okay. And so this is the other thing they said, which I think is really important is you often refer to this talking about 
knowledge as vulnerable, right? And your knowledge may be, I know we're really upset right now, but I don't want to lose you. I don't want this. I'm scared that this is going to be the end of our relationship. I'm scared. I'm going to lose this. I'm, uh, speaking from a knowledgeable place we often talk about as being vulnerable. Well, it feels vulnerable because when you come from that space, it feels like you're going to give your power away to somebody else. Yes. And that's why they're saying stop using the word vulnerable because knowledge is your most powerful place. We've like mislabeled that yes. word. <gasps> We've mislabeled the word vulnerable. It, yeah. So because when you think of vulnerable, you think of like I can lose. I'm I think of an animal with a car about to hit it. Like exposed. they're super vulnerable yes. to that huge vehicle coming yes. at them. And they're saying that is your greatest strength because even if you're talking to someone and you say, I'm scared of losing you. And they say to you, I, I, I can't continue with this anymore. How is that? That's not, that's still not a loss. You've identified this isn't working. Why am I going to continue to fight? That that is going to free you up. It's going to disentangle you from that conflict because you have aligned and expressed your knowledge. You are living from your knowledge, not from your theory that may have been handed to you by people that have no consciousness or awareness or understanding of who you are as a person. I'm just tripping out how much we've fucked up the word vulnerability. It's your greatest strength. It's crazy. Okay. There is safety, surety, and peace. We invite you to examine how often you connect, communicate, and understand knowledge in yourself and with others. Understand, too, that many humans have moved their whole earthly existence living from theory, and the act of being challenged is violently disempowering and destabilizing. They have created a life of comfort in their circle and may not be able to move from this place. Treat them from your place of knowing they are valuable. They are a fellow experiencer having the same emotions as you. Accessing that knowledge in you allows them to see it as they may not have seen it before or seen it from you. Uh, that was a, I'm going to read it again. Okay. Um, treat them from your place of knowing they are valuable. They are a fellow experiencer having the same emotions as you. Accessing that knowledge in you allows them to see it as they may not have seen it before or seen it from you. For theory against knowledge does not breed fight. The same is for you. Knowledge of yourself will limit internal conflict and dissatisfaction for the theories that you have been handed and you see reflected around you will dissolve in the presence of your internal truth your internal knowledge. The external fight and the internal fight will not be necessary. We have provided you much information here. We invite you to examine your internal knowledge versus theory, which belongs to you. You cannot get it wrong. This is a process, but you are not the process. That was a good one. I mean... That was a good one. I mean, practical and I just relatable. And I love the fact that they're like, yes, we're all going to have people in our lives that we have a conflict with or that we have, we're operating from theories from. And some people, I think this is really a part meant for me to understand my parents. And I think probably everybody to understand their parents, right? Like my parents never questioned their beliefs. They never questioned what was handed down to them. This is what you do. And so if they've never lived in a place of knowledge or, or brief periods of knowledge that, that sort of in a way reinforce their theories. You know, if my dad has a religious experience or has a really powerful connection to other that he gets through religion, he's going to, that's going to reinforce his theory of the religious belief. Yep. Which is fine. But I need to understand that that's where he's functioning from. Mm. And that the only thing I can do is bring my knowledge with me. 
I know he's valuable. I know he loves me. Ooh, that was, give me a minute to work that through. And I think that that's something I often don't really tap into. And that I need to reflect that knowing back to him instead of my theory that he's wrong. It's a big one. And how much conflict can be reduced in, in internally? I mean, internally, yes. And externally. Probably externally too. Because when you respond to him from the space of knowledge and knowing and vulnerability. Power, strength. Inevitably, the connection will be strengthened. Yeah, and the conflict will disappear. It was a good one today. It was nothing like I thought it was going to be, which is always my favorite ones. Crazy. Whew. That one is going to be sitting with me for a bit. <laughs> um, all right. So there you go. There's knowledge. Thank you, guides. That was phenomenal. Um, wow. That one's still reverberating. Um, all right. So thanks for joining us. Reach out. Give me a, shoot me a DM. Uh, the Spirit of Body on Instagram. Um, send me an email, james at thespiritofbody.com. Check out the whole um, channel in one complete go without all of uh, our witty banter. <laughs> witty That's in a nice air way quotes. Of putting it. <laughs> so until next time, everybody, I'm James. And I'm Katie. We'll see you next time. Guys. Bye.